Welcome back to Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats. We have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. I'm your favorite worm coffin bitch, Hannah Boyens. And I'm Evan. Hi, Evan. I was ready to do- I, I was ready to do, like, uh, I'm, I'm the mysterious sound coming out of your radio, and I'm Evan, and then I remembered this is not my podcast that I do where we do silly intros. <laughs> oh, so you are I'm absolutely Evan. welcome to yeah. I do, I do silly intros, so yeah. we invite some silliness. Yeah, we need the silliness. Yeah, we're- our life force. We are a very silly, silly we, podcast. If- I want you to bring me all the meat from your fridge, and I'm Evan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing behind your couch saying dog. <laughs> but like in the creepiest way possible. In the most upsetting. That guy is such a good actor. We'll talk he about is. it. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So to, uh, today we are talking about the Block Island sound recommended to us by Evan. Mm-hmm. Which was a very solid recommendation. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this movie. It was a good one. Thanks. Yeah, I wanted an excuse to rewatch it uh, because uh, it is like in it's like in my top tier of horror movies. It's got all the stuff I like about a horror movie. Um, but I, I don't I don't want to go through an exhaustive exhaustive list of my favorite tropes, but it does the thing where it lets you fill in the the threat with your imagination Mm -hmm. it does the thing where you're not sure if people are sane or not which like you know two two of my favorite horror tropes and it's not like gory it's like a psychological horror kind of a uh existential psychological horror kind of a thing which Mm -hmm. which i like yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um it felt it was very like Lovecraftian, and I enjoyed that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's very hard to find films that capture that feeling. Yeah, Lovecraftian in the way that like smart people mean when they say Lovecraftian, and not like there's a big weird monster with tentacles in it. Lovecraftian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although it, this does take place in the ocean, and that does t- tend to be an H.P. Lovecraft uh, like yeah. staple. But. Sure, sure, sure. But I, that has a lot to do with, like, the vastness of the ocean being mm-hmm. incomprehensible to the human mind in much the same way that the vastness of the universe. It's, it's symbolic, you know. Yes. So, And it's it's using the same symbolism in this mm-hmm. movie. It's also, and it's I feel like, like a pun. The title is a pun. Because the sound is. is both the sound is both a sound that you can hear with your ears and the body of water, the Block Island sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but I also enjoyed this one because it's not it has its own aesthetic. I'm not used to aquatic based horror movies that have this. Well, I guess certain Stephen King where it's like this very community feeling and most horror water adjacent things are very beachy like Jaws or The Shallows Mm -hmm. or Piranha. Whereas this one, like you said, really focuses on the isolation and the, the vastness of the ocean and kind of that it's. It takes place, I believe, in like the winter or the off season. So there's this mm-hmm. really bone chilling sense to the the island. I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, um, it's kind of kind of bleak and gray. Although um, mm-hmm. Midnight Mass is not like aquatic based horror. The same kind of like vibe in the environment. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It it kind of reminded me of Midnight Mass for that. Yeah, they definitely mm-hmm. both uh, take good advantage of, like, the island uh, isolation mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that they're incorporating into the plot. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of relatable, because, like, so Marty and I live in the mountains, which is a different setting, but we live in a very popular tourist area. Mm-hmm. And, like, the difference between the on and the off season is night and day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you go up to some of these 
really really small mountain towns that like have a history of being mining towns back during the gold rush but now there's no more gold so they're just tourist towns but like in the dead of winter it's creepy as fuck Mm -hmm. like i have yeah i can imagine never believed in ghosts i do not really believe in the supernatural but like this particular town that's near where we live is the one place in the world where i've been and i'm like yeah i would believe that this place is haunted Mm -hmm. because it has such a weird Mm -hmm. vibe yeah and uh that's that's kind of like nearly a ghost town yeah that's kind of the vibe that like this movie captured and i really like it yeah Nice. This is why I moved to New York City. Because you know, <laughs> so all... abductions happen in here that I am aware of. There's no yeah. off season in New York City because everyone lives there. Mm-hmm. No one ever We're looks all... the other way uh, long enough for an alien to abduct you, you know, or a cause some kind of cosmic intelligence. Everyone would right. Be We're like, all fucking what, each other's day up here? enough. There. <laughs> I feel like the aliens showed up and they're like, we've come for you. And we're like, shut the fuck up and get back up there. You must have enough to us, deal with on with this goddamn subway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's that scene from Spider-Man. We just start throwing bricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. You just like shoulder check the aliens as you're, you're scurrying around them. Like, I got places to be. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, there is one of the, the, we'll get into her, the sister from New York who's just not having any of it. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back. So shall we break down the plot of, of this film? Sure, yeah. Um, do you want me to, you want me to start? Yeah, start yes. us off. Absolutely. Take okay. away. So we have three principal characters. We have Audrey, we have Harry, and we have Tom. Uh... Audrey and Harry are adult siblings, and Tom is their father. Tom is a fisherman who lives on Block Island, which is an island off the coast of either Maine or Rhode Island. It's Rhode Island. Uh, I had to look it up earlier. Good job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Harry lives at home with uh, Tom, their dad, and uh, Tom starts acting a little weird but in a way that um, everyone starts to, everyone sort of chalks up to like, he's getting old, maybe he's developing dementia. Uh, We don't quite know. Uh, Like he goes out on his boat at night and seems to be confused about, you know, what happened. He seems to be like losing time. Um, Also, uh, seemingly unrelated to that, there's a bunch of, like, fish and birds and stuff dying on the island, animals acting weird, and Audrey, who works for the EPA, uh, she has a, you know, she's a got a big city job now. She she left the island, and she's uh, off being a career woman. She's got a job with the EPA, so they send her out to check out what's going on with these fish and stuff. And she brings her daughter, Emily, with her to the island and stays with her dad, Tom, and her brother, Harry. While she's there, Tom's erratic behavior escalates. He starts doing weirder stuff, and Audrey is very concerned, and she, uh, like, gets on Harry for not, like, getting him medical treatment, and Harry gets on her for, like, not being present with their family and having her big city job. Um some very it, juicy family drama. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's an important like backdrop to all of the like horror stuff that's happening here is the tension in this family. Uh mm-hmm. like uh Harry like clearly resents his sister for leaving. Some of this stuff is like unspoken, but it's very clear in like the the way they interact with each other. Um so yeah, uh Tom's weird possibly dementia behavior is sort of escalating while Audrey's there. He does something really creepy where he's hovering over Emily, uh, his granddaughter at night, and they catch him and he seems confused about why he's there. Uh, Audrey finds out that he's been going out on his boat in the middle of the night and like just doing weird stuff like throwing food all over the kitchen. Um, And finally, like while Audrey is still there, uh, Tom goes out on his boat one night and does not come back. Um, they find his boat. His boat looks like it's been ransacked. 
but they have no reason to think that anyone could have got out there and ransacked his boat and, like, harmed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Harry insists that some kind of foul play must have happened. Uh, and then they find Tom's body later. He appears to have drowned, but Harry is still adamant that he can't have just been crazy and confused and gone out and drowned. Um, clearly, this is reflecting some denial on Harry's part. He does not want his dad to have, you know, been quote unquote crazy, and he doesn't sort of want the responsibility of his father having, like, died on his watch because, Mm -hmm. you know, Audrey accuses him of having not taken good care of their dad because when he started acting erratic, didn't Harry didn't, like, call a doctor or whatever. But Harry's, like, adamant that something something happened. This escalates the tension between um, Harry and Audrey. And then Harry starts experiencing some weird stuff. Uh, his radio starts making weird noises, and then he starts seeing hallucinations, question mark, of his dead father demanding that he bring, that Harry bring things onto the boat. It's, it's, it's all very creepy. Harry starts, like, losing time. He, uh, he wakes up on the boat. He, uh, I think people catch him, like, uh, uh, like, with armfuls of, like, deli meat, like, going out to the, like, stealing stuff from the grocery store and, like, uh, ransacking his kitchen, and then he also, like, wakes up on the boat randomly. Yeah. Uh, He also runs over a deer. He does run over a deer, yes, and he sees a hallucination of his dad demanding that Harry, uh, acquire the deer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so awkward funeral in the world yeah where this yeah. guy oh God. like just straight up is like i bet i bet harry killed his dad because he's honestly what got me about that scene is he like when he noticed harry was listening to him he put his foot on the gas and was like yeah i just accused you of murder so what and then they fight yeah and then yeah. they get in a fight and they have there's another sister who shows up Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's Jen. from New York and she's angry. <laughs> uh yeah, there's another sister that turns up. She's not like uh, she she serves to uh sort of like continue to ratchet up the family tension. Uh she's less involved in the plot than Audrey is. But yeah, mm-hmm. they have a, another sister who turns up <laughs> from from New York. <laughs> from New um, York, baby. So, <laughs> uh so Harry is in denial still because he does not he does not want to be crazy he because if if he admits that something was wrong with his dad then something's wrong with him and this like he's he's trying to convince himself that this is just like a, a weird reaction to the stress um but obviously his behavior gets more and more erratic and he gets more and more scared of the things he is seeing and hearing whenever he's around electronics they seem to trigger hallucinations and then lost time. And uh, as you mentioned, he uh, uh, seems to have carried the corpse of a deer out onto the boat. He, like, finds blood and he remembers hitting the deer. Uh, He uh, gets freaked out by all the electronics in his house because he, like, can resist this sort of uh, impulse for a moment. So he's like, "I, I can't, like let the the impulse get into my brain he sees more hallucinations of his dead dad uh whenever he's like near electronic devices and uh like things things escalate uh obviously audrey notices and she insists that he uh see a doctor about it because like there's clearly something going awry with him whether it's just like grief or stress or denial or whatever um and then finally he uh the neighbors so he he sees a hallucination of his father compelling him to kidnap the neighbor's dog and take it out on the boat he kidnaps the neighbor's dog he takes it out on the boat and the dog is slurped up into the sky it sounds (laughs) silly when i'm describing it that way but it is very scary like sort of everything on the boat becomes weight there's a there's a horrible noise and it's also like 
this is a really good thing the movie did, in my opinion. It's not totally clear, uh, like, from the beginning, if the sort of, like, spooky sounds that you're hearing are part of, like, the sound design, or if they're, like, uh, diegetic, like, if, if Harry is hearing the, like, spooky, like, hollow noises that you're mm-hmm. hearing. But anyway, it's very cool. It's very good. It's effective. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the dog gets uh, sort of, like, sucked up into the sky... Uh, Harry is not sure what's going on. He seems confused and still in denial. But uh, at this point, Audrey insists that he go to a doctor and he is shaken enough that he agrees. They run all kinds of tests. There's nothing physically wrong with him. But the doctor is like, hey, there's this thing that some people have or believe they have where they're like sensitive to electromagnetic waves. Uh, Like... This is a, in real life, this is a thing that people think they have, by the way. it's There's no, like, scientific evidence that it exists. It certainly, like, psychologically exists. Many mm-hmm. people are certainly convinced that they, uh, like, are, like, mentally affected by uh, electromagnetic waves. But anyway. I believe uh, the, in the, um, in the... the brother from Better Call Saul, I think. Um, yeah, this has... is the only other example of that that I've seen in Same. like media. Was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, in, in the film, uh, the doctor is like, uh, we're not quite sure if this is a real thing, but uh, there's nothing physically wrong with your brother, so you might want to look into this, like, electromagnetic sensitivity syndrome or whatever, and here's the contact information of a guy from around here who has it, and he, like, lives off the grid. You can't call him, because c- he can't be around electronics. So, um, uh, Audrey, uh, is not sure about this whole thing. She doesn't know if she's going to go bother this guy. But uh, events continue to escalate. Um, Harry. There's uh, also a guy that's like a to... conspiracy theorist that he keeps talking to. Yes, there's a side character um, who Harry is friends with, who uh, keeps saying he he keeps uh, uh, like bringing up like the the animal deaths and stuff, and he'll, like, say it's the government, or say it's aliens, or whatever, and, like, Harry doesn't believe him, but, uh, like, it's more comforting to listen to this guy than to believe that he's going insane, so, yeah, this is, this is another factor. The, the conspiracy theory guy is not quite right about any of the stuff, but he does sort of prompt Harry's thinking in, yeah, in the right direction. he's on least. to something, mm-hmm. the something um, was just not what he yeah. predicted. Yeah. So, um, the, the thing that convinces, uh, Audrey, uh, to, well, I'm sorry, uh, Audrey goes, uh, to visit this, this guy in his off-the-grid camper. Um, does, okay, guys, you can refresh my memory here. Does Harry attack the jogger before or after Audrey leaves to go talk to the off the grid guy? It's, it's like after. at the. It's like while she's gone. Yeah, yeah she's gone. Okay. And he, kinda... like, is like having, okay. like, this break in reality because mm-hmm. they're, like, trying to watch a movie at home and he, like, is freaking out because of the electromagnetic waves. And, um. And he sees his dad telling him to take emily the little girl and he's like mm-hmm. no 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 i'm not gonna do that so he gets in his car and yeah. drives away and yeah he almost runs over a jogger on the road yeah and then he like just like smashes into a tree there is a bit yeah. where um uh, the the force whatever it is is like hijacking the television and there's like a mix of static and symbols and what looks like sea creature diagrams and it's so whoever did the production design for that like well fucking done that was That's maybe really cool. my favorite mm. yeah. shot mm-hmm. in the movie yeah so audrey leaves temporarily to uh go seek out this guy uh who the doctor said also has this condition allegedly and she leaves harry home alone with her co-worker and her daughter um audrey finds this guy uh living in a camper in the woods 
And she's like, hey, doctor told me you have electromagnetic hypersensitivity. And he's like, I don't have that. That's bullshit. I I live out here because electronics tell me to kidnap people. And uh, I almost fucking did it. And the only reason that I haven't accidentally murdered someone is because I'm out here alone. And I, I like there's no electronics within 100 miles of me or something like that. Um, Audrey is doesn't seem to quite 100% believe him, but she is very shaken by the seeming similarity between what this guy is experiencing and what Harry's experiencing and what this guy seems to know about what Harry is experiencing. Uh, so she hurries back to Block Island. Um, when she gets back to the house, her co-worker has been knocked out and Harry has abducted Emily, her daughter, and she arrives, like, just in time to chase them out onto the boat. Um, she, uh, hides in the cabin of the boat. She barricades herself and Emily into the cabin. Um, and she also, once they get out into the, into the open water, she experiences this, like, stuff getting sucked up into the sky. Um, Harry gets sucked up into the sky. Audrey, uh, attempts to resist for a while. Like, she, uh, like, pushes Emily back into the cabin. And finally, Audrey also gets sucked up into the sky. And, uh, Emily is left alone on the boat and is found by the police. Uh, this is sort of a fake-out ending because, uh, then shortly thereafter, um, Audrey gets dropped out of the sky into the ocean and she, uh, like, she's alive and okay. And then they play a section of voiceover from earlier in the movie where she talks about how she and her colleagues at the EPA, uh, catch fish, uh, to do experiments on them to, uh, like, for the betterment of the species, to save all the rest of the fish, basically. It's a little bit on the nose. But, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, the audience, are left to uh, assume, therefore, that whatever this uh, uh, higher intelligence is, this uh, non-human, non-anthropomorphic intelligence, is taking humans to do some kind of experiments on them for good, question mark? For evil, perhaps? We do not know. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is like the genius of this film. Yeah, it's like um, I mean the 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 thing about cosmic horror is like it's scary because it makes you realize how small you are in the universe. So I think putting it in that context, like it is a little on the nose, but it's also kind of yeah. cool because it's like oh, in this context, we are the fish, and if you think about a yeah. fish's point of view, it does not know why it's being taken out of the water or what these people are doing, or what they even are. Mm -hmm. The fish just knows what it knows, and that's... But in this context, that's us. And what is it? In the... There's no way of knowing... In the beginning of the film, there was also an interesting thing they talked about, which, to be fair, I did not research to find out if this is actually true, but they talk about how certain predators can release a sound that will make the prey... um, like lower their defenses like i think they mentioned cats and then field mice will just like mm. run around oh it's a parasite yeah yeah yeah. Mm. um and then field mice will just come right up to them because they don't sense any danger and um that was like kind of carried over into the film like kind of like you said the conspiracy friend wasn't 100 percent correct but like the concept is similar where it's like a sound that draws you in um to be its prey sort of so we get the cosmic element, but we also get this very yeah, primal yeah. element as well. Uh, I I think that the comparison is very apt. I'm not at all like mad about the like parallel they made with the like taking fish out of the water versus like we cannot possibly we as mere humans cannot possibly understand like what is happening uh, in the greater universe. My only complaint was that the voiceover at the very end. Uh, it sort of felt like they showed it to a test audience and somebody was like, I don't get it. Oh, yeah. So they, just, they just put the voiceover on at the end. I, I, like I said, I think it was an apt comparison. I like the parallel with, like, the 
with Audrey working for the EPA and like they she does explain that earlier in the movie. I think perhaps it would have been a little bit um, cleaner of a metaphor if they had uh, like shown her in a lab, maybe like explaining this to an intern or something like that instead of like like it's a very brief sequence where she like explains to her daughter like, yeah, I know it scares the fish, but it's okay because we're doing good for them. They don't understand what's happening, but we're the good guys taking the fish out of the water. Uh, so yeah, that was, if anything, my only complaint about the movie is that the the voiceover at the end was a little bit much. And I also kind of, I kind of would have, would have appreciated a darker ending if like Emily had just been left alone and both Audrey and Harry had been uh, like taken by this unknown entity uh, like permanently. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I get it. I, I get that they didn't want to be like, like too grim dark about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think, like, a part of it kind of felt very YouTube ending explained. Um, yeah. Which is funny, because when I was looking, I was researching this movie just to see if there was any behind-the-scenes info, and the first thing that comes up when I Google it is, like, a million videos and articles of, like, but what does it mean? What does the ending mean? I don't get it. <laughs> it's, and, this is... like, it's not hard <laughs> to get. Like... Yeah. So, I, like... I'm so torn because I don't like when a movie like really spoon feeds you the point. I'm like, come on, the audience is intelligent. But then like, same, I see shit like that. And I'm like, oh my God, I guess we need to spoon feed it to people more. I guess media literacy is so bad. Like, come on. This is why we need arts education, guys. Like, yeah, we need to real. analyze. We need to analyze the, the text. The curtains are we blue for a reason, guys. I, we got to stop making that joke. Yeah. Like, yeah, we do got to talk about symbolism and, you know, metaphor and things like that. Like, because mm-hmm. this movie is chock full of them. And I really enjoy that. Like, I was even just thinking about, like, when her daughter has the little frog trapped in the jar and it made me think of the ending Mm -hmm. where it's like well don't you think the frog misses its family we need to let the frog go and it's like well why do we Mm -hmm. let some go but not others and she's like and that also kind of adds to the cosmic horror (laughs) of it all because like like you think of how every single human treats animals differently maybe it's the same way up there like it really is a case-by-case basis we don't understand why or how there's just an infinite array of possibilities and there was one thing that like paid off in a very weird way but i was still like okay fine i still respect that you paid it off there is like this through line with um audrey and her co-worker where like they sort of hint there's like a romantic kind of thing going on the dad is like oh yeah you guys can share a bed oh Mm -hmm. my granddaughter needs like a male presence in her life and i felt like that kind of the got resolved in the end when like he's the one to save um her the the girl from the boats and then i was mm-hmm. i my brain literally had a flashback to that scene where he's like oh she finally got that male presence in her life okay so that part i was kind of like sure i mean yeah. you did the thing but it's fine yeah like i do I'm- want to circle back to the frog real quick because yeah. i think that actually uh like because they have set up this parallel with like, well, we take the fish out for good reasons, with good intentions, with cl- with a clear plan. But this child has taken the frog out of the wild on like a, just a just a whim, just just for fun, just for absolutely no reason at all. And maybe she's just going to let it languish in this jar. So it, it introduces this uncertainty about what this kind of like cosmic intelligence actually is i know like i said they spoon feed it to us at the end where they say like no it's good that we're taking the fish in the voiceover uh i kind of preferred the uncertainty of like is this cosmic entity uh like the uh intergalactic epa or is it an intergalactic seven-year-old child with Mm -hmm. a jar you know (laughs) or is it an intergalactic uh kid with a magnifying glass yeah <laughs> yeah with and, and we're a pile of ants they didn't have that mm-hmm. metaphor in here but i feel like maybe they could be <laughs> i don't know mm-hmm. yeah but you, that you, is you so fascinating yeah that's the scary because... part of it i mean oh sorry oh no go ahead finish your thought and then i'll i'll chime in oh but yeah that's the scary part of it is like you don't know and that's Oh, it's so cool. This is one of the only movies that I've ever seen that successfully captures that feeling of mm-hmm. the unknowable. Mm-hmm. 
I was just going to bring up that a show I think of when we we analyze like how the infinite possibility of what's out there in space. I always think of Star Trek because they do have like the array of like there's a being out there with infinite power, but it has like the motivations of a child or there's a space whale and he's just whaling in space or <laughs> like these infinite possibilities of like cruelty versus innocence. But they look at it through the lens of like people who have tools and communities to rely on to gather information and um, you know, approach it with a sense of uh, procedure and safety. But when you are like living in the world we live in currently and there is no support system, no safety, nothing to understand what is happening, which I think also parallels really well to when he's like trying to figure out what may or may not be wrong with him, either mentally or physically. Um, it is the most terrifying frontier and it doesn't feel like this big camaraderie brothership thing. It's just very terrifying and isolating. Yeah. It, I, I, it also makes you wonder what is triggering like these specific people to do that. Like, cause it affects some people, but not others. And um, yeah. And on top of that, like you, you end up, just like wondering why all of that and that's pretty open-ended too but i think it also ties into more of like the family dynamic of and it's more you know emotionally representational of something else but yeah Oh, I had something and I forgot what I was going to say. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's not your fault. I, I, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this movie and I like went down a path and then I was like, oh wait, another path, another path to go down. There, and now there's a lot to think about with this movie and I really like that. Yeah, yeah. I would like to um, give um, major props to the actors too. I feel like they did a good job mm -hmm. of not overacting and that's pretty impressive. Um, that fellow Neville, the guy who played the dad, his first name is Neville. His last name is something long and difficult to pronounce. Uh, but <laughs> that guy has got some horror chops. Mm -hmm. That dude can do some shit with his face that is deeply upsetting. Yeah. Like the thing. So, uh, I'm going to mimic it, but it's not going to be scary. Like when I, when I was describing, uh, like the hallucination of the dead father trying to compel Harry to bring him things. He would just like the, the, the specter of the dead father would just stand there in Harry's vision and just repeat the same word over and over again. So like when he was trying to compel Harry to kidnap Emily, he was just standing in the room saying, girl girl and it was like it was horrible like it was it, it's giving me the heebie-jeebies mm -hmm. like just thinking about it i haven't he seen this movie in months at all. and he like yeah. he's got like that kubrick stare thing going mm -hmm. and it's yeah. so good the guy is talented the guy mm -hmm. really got it it was it was the heebiest of jeebies the yeah. heebiest of jeebies correct and also i will give props to harry at first i wasn't I didn't quite understand his character, but as he was slowly losing um, his grip on reality as he knew it, um, I really, there was just this haunted, horrified look in his eyes as the movie went on that just made me so scared of him and for him because you, you mm -hmm. truly yeah. didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, he really does some asshole things and it's so difficult in a, a movie to make the viewer Un, like empathize with and understand why a character is lashing out in an irrational way but like you really felt how afraid harry was and how that made him angry and how that like sort of uh uh caused this like rift between him and the people he cared about he was so scared of like being crazy first he was scared of like his his mind betraying him and then he was scared that like it wasn't his mind it was something external that was happening to him and he like lashed out in a way that i felt was 
understandable in a way that like not a lot of narratives achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you didn't like hate him, even though he was like kind of acting irrationally and like being an asshole and lashing out at people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can you can understand from his point of view why he is scared and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it was really nice that we had that and, um, had that point of view and it wasn't just kind of like, oh, he's acting weird because of, you know, like you, you didn't really know. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't a twist because you kind of get pieces of information as you're going as to why these things are happening. Um, and I kind of liked that. It wasn't just like, haha, it was aliens at the end, you know? And, you know, one thing that, for me, could turn this ending a bit darker, if you want to see it that way, um, could Audrey be the new Avatar? And that's why they threw her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the movie never makes clear, like like you mentioned, like what makes people susceptible to this. I think you could interpret it as, like, people who are already mentally deteriorating are more susceptible to it, uh, because it has this thread woven in of, like, mental health right mm-hmm. like maybe like a little bit of psychosis yeah like, yeah. It, it, yeah harry certainly was going through like an extremely traumatic event like with his father dying and like with the tension in his family and um tom like was getting old and like was having like a hard time taking care of himself so like yeah maybe he was experiencing the early phases of dementia and that like made him more susceptible to this mm-hmm. and then harry in turn because he was also, like, kind of having a, a like, a mental, mental health, uh, uh, like, episode was also, like, more susceptible to this. It's not clear, but that's one interpretation that you could make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do mention how the mom of the family had passed away fairly recently. Like, mm-hmm. I, I got mm-hmm. the impression it was, like, one to two years ago, maybe. And that that took a toll on the family... So that also kind of plays a factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, it, it is a movie about how grief will make you do irrational things that even scare you. Um, mm-hmm. It's just told through a lens of uh, aliens. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think there's yeah, also this I, element of I, um, randomness, too, where, like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's tied into mental health, but that's also kind of part of it, right? It's like, sometimes we don't know why our minds do what they do or how we we go forward one because there's so little effort put into men- mental health research and two because it is genuinely terrifying and some people just don't don't you know don't have the resources or the ability to look into it um so it could be mm-hmm. also the aliens like yeah, the wrong was... place wrong time and like why me and there is no real answer you know Mm-hmm. yeah um, it's also clear that, uh, a large part of the reason that Harry wasn't more, both Harry and Tom were not more forthcoming with their family about, like, what was going on in their minds was because of, like, shame that they felt associated with, uh, like, the stigma about, uh, mental health struggles. So, like, mm-hmm. it's clear that, uh, Tom didn't want to admit the possibility that, like, maybe he uh was getting dementia and then it was very clear that harry was not willing to admit that like maybe he was having a psychotic break of some kind and that uh you know i don't know that anybody could have helped if they knew earlier but it certainly contributed to like the tension they had with other characters like this this unwillingness to acknowledge that potentially something was wrong with well them. and i think it's interesting yeah. that the one time they make the most headway in understanding what's happening is when they seek out the other person who's experiencing this so like it could add mm-hmm. to the metaphor of like the way to to go forward and deal with these fears is to kind of seek out people who who have experienced or kind of know what you're going through and then learn from what they've done because like even though he's he's living definitely a different kind of life um, that maybe, I know Harry at first is like, I'm not doing that. Um, but he does seem to still have um, a life of his own. He is kind of mastering, like, how he can protect himself and others. So, like, it is an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
This I movie could it. also be saying, when you're sad, don't go on the internet. <laughs> don't use any kind of electronics. When you're sad, do not stand near your radio alarm clock. For the um, love of God. Throw your watch yeah, on the ground. The aliens will suck you up. Yeah. <laughs> aliens will slurp you into the sky if you stand near your radio alarm clock or your VCR. Right, not with to. Low endorphins. It's hilarious, too, considering this film and when we're. I know there's been like a little bit, and I haven't looked into it very much just because there's so much going on in life right now, but the whole news about the aliens and everyone's reaction kind of being just, yeah, mm. okay. Eh. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Tuesday. <laughs> well, they said, they said non human like uh, residue or something was found. That, that doesn't mean anything, yeah. it just means it wasn't human. It yeah. could be also... like. I don't know a bird. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't been following this closely, but I am. Um, I'm not totally convinced that these, like these statements, are credible. I know that, like, obviously, we have some loonies in Congress. Like, look mm-hmm. at Marjorie Taylor Greene. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not totally convinced that there's anything there. Maybe there is. Maybe it's so muddled up with other stuff that it's. It's hard to parse out what's what's real from what's nonsense but like yeah i think the reason so many people are reacting with a shrug is partly just because like a lot of things from our government really cannot be trusted like a lot of things from our elected officials are kind of nonsense so yeah uh, yeah yeah, aliens i guess (laughs) i'm not really ready to believe that until we have like 100 percent proof and Mm. saying non-human residue is proof i i would like to see like a guy with really big eyeballs or like you know one of those guys <laughs> if we're going off of... <laughs> like non i have non-human residue in my bathroom periodically is <laughs> it's definitely not aliens i well here's the thing in terms of if we're going off about like what we think is going on with the aliens because i want to I feel like the universe is so infinite and vast. It's probably, to me, I think Arrival is probably the closest I've seen of like, yeah, it seems about right. Where it's like such a different concept of a being that like we don't quite mm-hmm. have the tools to communicate with it yet. And maybe we never will. Um, so I'm sure something's out mm-hmm. there. Do I think we'll ever communicate with it? Probably not. But if we do. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Maybe that's why people also aren't reacting. It's like, there's nothing really we can do about it. It's not really changing our lives very much. Maybe some guys in NASA or in the science community are like, ooh, let's go. But like, I'm in musical theater, my guy. What am I going to do about it? (laughs) Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Our own planet is kind of a dumpster fire right now, so I think yeah. everyone's just more worried about all the stuff that's happening Emphasis here. on dumpster and fire. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's maybe it's good that the aliens are slurping us up into the sky. Actually, maybe maybe those dogs that got sucked up into the sky are having a great time up on the mothership. They're, they're at the, the, they're in yeah. the farm up up. They're at the oh. dog planet from <laughs> the, the movie that I showed you. The- oh I showed Marty this movie the other day that I used to watch as a kid, and it's about how all dogs are actually aliens oh. from another planet, and they had originally been sent to Earth to subjugate humanity, but then <laughs> One of the, the dogs, dogs just kind of decided that they liked being spoiled and... Because, like, it's all about how, like, the reversal of expectations about, like, if you think about it, the dog is really in charge because humans spoil them and do everything for them. And, and pick isn't... up their poop. Yeah, isn't that great? And it's just a very silly movie and it showed mm. that to Marty the other One day. One of the dogs is voiced by Matthew Broderick. <laughs> oh, oh wow. my god, I should yeah. have asked him about it when I worked with this. <laughs> his dog name is Hubble. Yeah, they were like, like uh-huh. the telescope. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. that reminds Stonks me. Whenever space. they had the shots in this movie of all the fish like dead in the water, I just kept flashing back to Godzilla mm-hmm. 2000, where Matthew Broderick just looks at the <gasps> giant <laughs> piles of fish on the dock and goes, "That's a lot of fish." I literally <laughs> yeah. heard and said that to Marty, but Marty hasn't seen that movie, yeah, so Marty was no. just like, "What?" Yeah, but it's uh, it's actually fun. That fun. We Hot have come take. First it's a good circle on this. It's not yeah. boring. Godzilla 
2000 is 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 actually a fun movie. I stand by that. It is silly, but it's is fun. that the one with the baby Godzilla? <laughs> yes, no, um, Madison Square Garden is full of baby it's more, Zillas. It's yeah, not yeah. like the cute baby. I think you're. Are you thinking of the cute baby with the big eyes? It's the. It's the. No. No, I, I'm thinking of like it's like a creepy baby that doesn't yeah. have any eyelids and leather, like, leathery, leathery dinosaur. Yeah, baby. it's a lot yeah. like aliens in that. I way. thought they were weirdly cute. I have seen photos of that one. Um, not to be confused with Manila, who is who is a different Godzilla baby. There's a lot of Godzilla babies. I mean, he's been around for a while. We should do a series on. The Godzilla movie. We have to bring Will in for those. He's obsessed with Godzilla. He won a bookmark making contest at church because he was making it Godzilla and then my mom stopped him after God and then he won. (laughs) (laughs) And he was so pissed too. He was like, it's not finished. (laughs) It's for Godzilla. (laughs) Anyway, all this to say, that's a lot of fish. Starting the church of Godzilla. (laughs) Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to touch on, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, I think you mentioned it, Marty, but like the, the sound design, Mm -hmm. or no, Evan was talking about it, about Mm -hmm. the sound design and like how brilliant it is because you don't know if it's part of the movie, like if the characters are hearing it or if it's just for the audience's sake. Yeah. And that is really cool. I, I, they do a good job of making it feel really otherworldly. Yeah. It it also ties into like, are you actually experiencing this or is it just like in your head, you know? Mm -hmm. And I like, I like the set, like that's a really smart way to do it. And like, cause you don't know at first and then you're like, Oh, and cause it, as it goes on, you kind of realize a little bit that it is kind of, diegetic because you hear it every time the radio starts you know going off and yeah i kind of like that the way that it kind of slowly becomes diegetic from non-diegesis uh it is a very spooky sound also yeah besides the way it's used like the sound itself is like really spine chilling it's kind of like a low rumble Mm -hmm. yeah you can't quite tell if it's organic i mean it is organic but like is it like coming from the ocean? Is it coming from the human lungs? Is it coming from the like a whale kind of deal? Is it the ship? It's mm-hmm. it's yeah. everything. Is it is it like electric? Even like it's it's really kind of cool. And like because it's like such a low noise, you kind of when you're listening to it, it you kind of feel it like at the base of your skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, just, like, right level with your ears, like, right on the back of your head. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool stuff. Uh, I also want to point out what an awesome job they did with the budget. I don't know what the actual budget for this movie was. I tried to look it up, because it had to have been small. But they, they... Everything looks so good. Like the 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 quality of the filming is very good. Like the the mm-hmm. the wide shots are good. Like the you know the camera work is really good. But they don't have any like they really don't have any special effects. Like it is no. just they just like filmed some people in the off season on Block Island. I don't know if they actually filmed it on Block Island, but they filmed it in the off season, like in an island community, it's, mm-hmm. it feels very grounded. And like, they, they did such a good job with just the tiny, tiny, tiny little sprinkle of special effect, which is like the stuff flying up into the sky. And that yeah. must've, it must've been done so cheaply. But I just so imagine a PA like, on yeah, a ladder, yeah. just holding like it, the string. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think also like the uh, TV static would kind of count as a special effect. But, sure, yeah. like, other than, like, those two things, there's really not a whole lot else. It's it's very um, grounded, except for yeah. in the moments where they're not on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as a as an analog bitch, personally, uh, I I'm I'm very sick of seeing like CGI like in like in places where there doesn't need to be CGI. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I love, I love how sparing they were with the special effects, like whether they were limited by budget or that was a choice, 
it was the right way to go. Um, yeah. I think this is a good example for how like limitations can can make excellent creative works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, like I said, one of my favorite tropes is like you never see the monster. Yeah. And you never see them. You never see the monster in this. It's way scarier because you literally cannot perceive it with the your senses. The only time so, you see yeah, anything is when he goes scuba diving looking for his father's body, and you see this kind of cloud of stuff. Like, it's kind of a black, um, mm-hmm. dusty substance in the water that kind of looks like it creeps it. it. It goes at him, and then it blacks out, so you don't really know what happens. And then he starts, like, coughing up what looked like either moving tentacles or moving worms. Whatever it was, that made me, like, physically ill to look at. Thought... And, like, I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. That was... I thought that was a hallucination. Yeah. I also thought that, that, but at the yeah. same time, you know, like, they they do this thing where, like, you never know what's real or what's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. So he, he could have been dreaming at that point, but he could have also have, like, thrown up and then thrown up again in his bed, but they cut it in a way that makes it look like it was just, like, a dream that he was yeah, having. two films that kept mm-hmm. coming, and I don't want to compare it too much because I do think this film stands on its own. Two things that this film made me think of. One, the film hadn't come out yet, but Nope, I think, is a very interesting comparison. Like, it, they com- complement each other very well. Um, the other one is Slither mm-hmm. by James Gunn. Um, because they too have, um, yeah. not to spoil too much, this element of alien infection, and then they they go to the like the grocery mm-hmm. store and just get all the fucking meat they can carry, and then people are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And they're just like, "Meat," meat. and then they just walk out. So like, I felt that <laughs> yeah. influence very much in the grocery meat. store uh, scene, and just in the whole idea of like. I thought that's where it was going for a while with the coughing up scene of like an alien completely transforming you from top to bottom, which is also an element of horror. But then it took more of a, a psychological turn than um, body horror, which yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. it was a great decision. Yeah. Meat, I... meat is meat is weirdly scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys listen oh, to the, the Magnus Archives? Yeah. 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 So, principalities was just like we don't know why we don't know why but the one is all meat it's just always you ever meat. died through the meat pit <laughs> yeah i love the magnus archives meat episodes oh, yeah the flesh is a very interesting mm-hmm. interesting one um i constantly scary. think about um the guy who adds body parts to himself he just takes them and puts them on him and it and he, sticks, and he's a big meat, it's a meat boy monster. Guy. A lot of bones. Yeah, too many bones. Some might say. Jared Hopworth. That's his name. I wanted to call him Hogworth, but that's not right. Although they do kind of have an element of pigginess in the flesh. Well, do we have any last thoughts about the Block Island sound? It's pretty good. Um, I liked it. Good movie. Yeah, watch it. I would watch it again. If anybody yeah, listening yeah. wants to come over to my house and watch the Block Island sounds. I'll come over to your I'm house. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. It'll take over 24 hours for me to get there by car. but you know. I'll bring the meat. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'll bring the dog. <laughs> I, guess I can take you out on a boat. My oh, dad's God. got a boat, so cool. we can Ooh. we can just reenact we can reenact the whole movie. Basically, we have we have the budget. We can just put gas in the boat, and that's all. We <laughs> yeah. I um I will say like uh, the ocean does kind of scare me because I have lived in landlocked states almost my entire life. Mm. So, which is another thing that I loved about this movie. I was like, oh yeah, the ocean is kind of. There's scary, so isn't much it? in there. Yeah. We don't. You know what? There's a there. lot in there, and none of it is my business. Um. It is gorgeous and terrifying. Um, and I have a strange calling for it, even though I've only been to the beach twice in my entire life. Um, I grew up in a coastal state, uh, like only minutes from a very large body of water. So I feel weird if I'm not near a large body of water. Last year, um, I went... Oh, that's so understandable. I, I, I do... 
I do understand the existential horror of the open water. Last I do year, get it. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're out on the water and you don't see anything around you, um, and you're floating on top of something and you don't know what's underneath you, that's Last scary. year, I went to the ocean for the first time since I was, like, two years old. And have you ever had, uh, cr- like, crabs? The concept of crabs never was real to me until I went out there and felt it, like, crawling over my feet. And then I looked at it, and I'm like, you don't look like anything yeah. else. You are you are entirely alien. Crabs like, we don't bugs. know what's in there. We don't know what's down there. The truth is bugs. It's bananas. Yeah. When I was, like, in fourth grade, my parents took me and my siblings to Corpus Christi for like a um just like a summer vacation and um I was uh hiding crabs in my pockets and then oh, bringing no. them in the car. Oh my god. <laughs> Respect though. Crabs is the crabs, crabs is they weird call to bugs. you. The crabs want to come home with you. They yes. they compel you to to bring them home with you. Yes. <laughs> Well, Evan, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It was yeah. wonderful to have you on. Thank you for recommending this amazing film. And Thank you for giving me another excuse to watch it and letting me rant about it a lot. Uh, I, I really love this movie. It's really good. Everybody watch it. Give, yes, give I would definitely Jeff recommend. Bezos your money or whatever. <laughs> we watched it on Shudder. So. Or, no, it was mm. on Netflix. But oh, yeah, it was I watched on Netflix. it on Netflix. Uh, yeah, we won't we won't give it should too be much, on Shutter. Yeah, we won't give too much promotion to Netflix, but yeah, no. this is a good movie. Go find it. I'm gonna somewhere. say it. I'm just gonna somewhere. say it. Pirate uh, it. So while you do it, <laughs> yeah, uh, yar har fiddly dee. This is uh, an episode that's part find, of the find find the creators <laughs> uh, wherever they may be. Pirates. Support their work. Um, follow their Twitter. Mm-hmm. Just Venmo them Venmo $5. Them $5. Uh, Actually, just find the directors. Funny enough, mm-hmm. these the two directors of this movie also did American Vandal, which is one of my favorite TV shows. And uh, completely 100% tonally different. Yeah. It's like a, mm-hmm. a, that's like a documentary a... that's like a parody of true which crime again. shows. Um, it's one of the funniest shows I've ever I still think ever horror seen. directors are amazing it's, at comedy because they both have a sense of planting and payoff. Yeah. 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 So um, I would recommend that also. If you haven't seen American Vandal, definitely go check that out. Season two is all about solving the crime of who put laxatives in lemonade and uh, made the entire school shit their pants. So it's very good. It's very funny. Um. Yeah, it's yeah. very funny. It's treated with the seriousness of, like, a murder investigation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it also makes, like, some really poignant commentary about, like, true crime as entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it's just very good. So, while we are promoting things, Evan, do you have anything that you would like to promote while you're here? Um, yeah, I do some podcasts on the Where They May Radio Network, primarily um, Ending Pending, uh, and then sometimes I also do a podcast called Fan Fiction Is Good, actually, but I haven't updated it in a while because it's, guys, it's very, I, I'm sure you know this, I don't have to tell you, but it's very stressful to be a trans person on the internet right now, and uh, uh, yeah. yeah, doing doing that podcast requires me to interact with like the internet and it's I'm just having a hard time. But anyway, um there are plenty of episodes that already exist that you can listen to and there are more episodes of Ending Pending being produced all the time. Uh that is where else you can find me. There are also other great shows on the Where They May Radio network like uh Good Neighbors and like uh Force Friends Rewatch. That's a good one. Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm a very big fan of all of those shows, mm-hmm. and I've been very much enjoying the Firefly episodes yes. of Independent. On the topic oh, of Star Wars, over on our Patreon, we also have a series where Kai and I are uh, just uh, chilling and talking about Star Wars and all of the strange things uh, in we it. We could potentially get Andy on that. We could. Um... Folks out there want to keep up with Chainsaw Matinee, you can find us on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. 
um, at Chainsaw Matinee. We're also on TikTok. And as of today, Woo! we are on Tumblr. Yeah. Also, just Chainsaw Matinee on everything. So go go out and find us. And uh, uh, that's it. And uh, go listen to Ending Pending and all of the amazing shows at Where They May Radio. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you again to Evan for joining us and being so patient with the the, the scheduling um, stuff. It's been a very thank weird few months. For... Oh boy, I understand. Yeah. I, I I empathize. Uh, it's, it's, the world is weird and bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. We 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 appreciate everyone and. As always, may your nightmares be plentiful. And uh, plenty full of, full you of worms. Up worms. Actually, yeah. no, I don't I wish love that worms. on you. <laughs> may you may you not may you not cough up worms when you don't expect to. I mean, if you ate some worms, then sure, but may you not cough up worms when you aren't expecting to cough up worms. worms.